Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. As you may have heard, our fall fundraiser here at WDET fell short this year. Not just a little short, but profoundly short. We raised hundreds of thousands of dollars less than what we need to operate this station over the next year. We're figuring it out. We always do, and we'll do what we can to make sure that this program and the other shows you enjoy here on WDET continue. But I want to talk to you right now about why, if you haven't already given this fall, you should do it now. This station is dedicated to truth and discussion and culture and celebration in a way that nothing else on the air in this town can claim to be. It takes a large staff of people working round the clock to make that happen and to keep it happening at the level you've come to expect. This show, Detroit Today, is a great example. The hour you hear each day takes hours and hours of preparation. Two full-time producers paying close attention to the news, reaching out to guests, planning conversations and segments. It takes an engineer to make it all come together and sound right. And it takes me spending all the time I do reporting and reading and talking with people to be ready to bring you incisive, informative, balanced conversation that inspires you to really think about the things we see in our world, about the way we make choices and relate to one another. You listen because you value that. And every day, the best hour of my day is the hour we spend together here on air, talking about the things that matter to all of us. To keep that going, it takes money. It takes your participation in contributing that money. It doesn't matter how much you give, just that you become a part of the infrastructure that keeps this show and this station going. So call 800-959-9338 or go to WDET.org and click the big red button with a heart and the word donate at the top of the page. And as always, thanks to everyone who is participating. Up first today, last week on the show, we talked about how we struggled to find fund all our different priorities here in Michigan and whether more taxes are a potential solve for that problem. The lack of revenue growth in the state forces vital programs to fight over finite resources that just never seem to be enough. And meanwhile, many lawmakers continue to indulge the idea of tax breaks. We gave a huge $1.8 billion corporate tax break in 2011, and we have even more giveaways ready for companies who are looking to move here to Michigan. My next guest says the refusal to ask businesses to sacrifice alongside vital government priorities has sparked a fierce battle between the corporate world and one of the state's biggest investments, schools. Chad Livengood is a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business, and he joins us now to talk about this tension. Crane, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Chad, welcome to welcome to Detroit today. Happy to be here, Stephen. Yeah. So let's start with this uh, this tension. You have a specific example of something that state government is doing that has school advocates up in arms. Yeah. So there's always um, there's always tension every time that we give one of these type of, of tax incentive packages. And specifically, Renaissance zones are are one of the of the big ones. We've got several of them here in Detroit. 
We we built one for for Ford at the at the at Corktown at the train station. We've we've built one for uh, several other um, uh, big uh, companies that have moved to town. And there's one that's right now that's kind of popped up in the legislature out in the Grand Rapids area, but with a company named Switch. Uh, they are a data center company. They have they house large server farms. They came to Michigan uh, four years ago and pitched the legislature directly, uh, pr- pretty unusual um, uh, ask, saying, we'll come and invest up to um, a couple billion dollars over 10, 20 years if you let us basically live here tax-free um, and and give us uh, let us have no property taxes and no sales tax. At the time, uh, the legislature debated this. It kind of came up really fast in the end of 2015. The legislature, for context, had just voted to raise gas taxes um, and vehicle registration fees uh, by $600 million. And they turned around and were considering um, this this multi-million dollar tax break to let uh, uh, switch set up shop in what used to be known as Steelcase Company's old pyramid-shaped headquarters R&D center on the southeast side of Grand Rapids. They uh, made this pitch that, look, if we we can only compete, there's 28 other states that let you basically um, not have to have property tax on on the um, personal property tax on the servers, all the all the equipment, the computer, the computers, and all the infrastructure that goes into a server farm, and also um, sales tax free buying it and not having to pay sales tax like uh, any business would if they're buying computers or, or their own servers for that matter. And and so they made this pitch and uh, the legislature debated this you know pretty intensely and eventually they, they they got a lot of pushback from other data ser- ser- server companies that said, wait a minute, we don't get to live sales tax free. We bought all of our equipment. And so the legislature said, okay, fine, we'll let all data centers in Michigan uh, not have to pay sales tax. And what that does is it, it erodes less and less of the tax base. Every time you cu- carve out something else in the, in the tax base, there's just less um, things to tax, uh, essentially. And and so they granted an entire industry sales tax, use tax-free status, but they dropped a bill that was would have given Switch basically virtually property tax-free. Um, then Switch turned around and they went to the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, the state's economic development arm, and they asked for uh, property tax exemptions, broad property tax exemptions that Renaissance zones uh, afford. And the leg- and the MADC and the Snyder administration at the time granted that. Um, so then fast forward, uh, this last late last year, the Michigan Treasury Department was doing an audit of, of, of Switch's taxes and realized Switch hasn't been paying some local school taxes in Grand Rapids, specifically seven mills for uh, the Caledonia school district's debt uh, that they rely on to pay down the debt, and then less than a mill of property tax uh, for the Kent County um, Intermediate School District's enhancement millage, which is one of these millages that, that's, that counties vote for themselves to get a little extra money to put in to distribute among all their students in every county. And they're doing this increasingly because of the stagnant funding coming from Lansing. So all this is kind of ties into one big bow, Stephen, uh, that uh, Switch is now asking to be exempted from a less than eight mils of remaining property tax that they got a bill for in January. And uh, talk about how big a hit this would be for schools if that tax break 
is applied retroactively. That so way. the schools in, in in Kent County would 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 lose about three hundred and seventy two thousand dollars a year. Um, switch basically to to in order to to appeal this this tax to the state tax tribunal. They they cut a check for $620,000 or so and paid the tax. And then they immediately turned around and appealed it. They also went and hired a bunch of lobbyists and started asking the legislature to to put a new bill through uh, to in order to uh, to exempt themselves. And they got that bill introduced in August and they got it passed uh, in late September in the state Senate. Um, and now it's, uh, you know, being sort of subject to some some, some pretty serious uh, lobbying right now on both sides. School groups have lined up against this, partly in principle. I mean, eight mils, $372,000 isn't, isn't a ton of money in the grand scheme of things. But um, for, for Caledonia, what it means is if you take away that taxpayer, then and, and then you have uh, $20 million of bonds you have to pay off in the next 10 years, you might actually have to pay it off in 11 years. So the rest of the taxpayers in Caledonia, schools, the, 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 the various businesses and the residents then end up absorbing that. That's, that's a sort of classic tax shift. That's what happens when you create these renaissance zones or these types of sort of tax-free zones is you just push the money and the costs off into somebody else. So the argument that I always hear from people who support the idea of these kinds of tax breaks, even if they don't support this particular one, is that this is how you grow the economy in this state. You have to give people a reason to move here with their businesses so that they can make money by selling the products or the services that they create so that they can employ people who will pay income taxes and property taxes if they buy houses, that they'll pay sales taxes off of the things that they that they buy, and that when you look at it overall, we come out ahead, that we end up with more tax revenue than we would have collected off of that business in the first place. Does that not add up? Well, uh, I haven't. It's hard to 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 actually add that all up. But uh, just for example, I mean, Swiss is part of Switch Ar- Switch's argument. We've we've invested 155 million dollars in Michigan. We've we've created uh, 800 direct or indirect jobs at this site because every one of their of these um, of the in their server farm inside the pyramid building, they bring in all these companies and they got they got some pretty big uh, players: North American Bancard, United Rentals. Wells Fargo, Cisco, BDO, IBM, uh, they they bring their employees in and they service their servers and they and those employees are supposed to pay state income tax when they're working in Michigan and and at this intersection off of uh, M6 on the southeast side of Grand Rapids near uh, uh, Gerald Ford uh, Airport, um, they have built six new hotels in the last four years. Um, and the switch can basically lay claim to uh, several, uh, most of them, basically for the their own these these sort of traveling employees that come in and come out to to service uh, the um, the computer servers there at their facilities. And they've got plans for three more um, sort of expansions, offshoots on this campus. And this is a completely new industry, really, uh, and big big get for for Michigan. And we do, we do talk a lot about diversifying our economy, so we're not so dependent upon. Um, on 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 making cars and selling pizzas and mortgages and and uh, in 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 West Michigan's case not so dependent on selling office furniture like at companies like Steelcase that used to 
actually um, um, locate or be in this facility that sat, for, for record, sat empty for a decade. Um, so this was a huge get for, for Grand Rapids and for the state. Um, but yeah, again, there's also these trade-offs that we have to we have to basically um, give away parts of the farm uh, in order to try to try to you know generate new business and tax revenue. My guest is Chad Livengood. He's the senior editor at Cranes Detroit Business. We're talking about the idea of attracting businesses to the state of Michigan with tax incentives and tax breaks, something that we have done for a really long time here in the state of Michigan. He recently wrote about a case of a company in the Grand Rapids area that is asking for incredible tax breaks that would take money away from the funding for local schools in that community. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how far government should be going to attract businesses and jobs. Do you think these efforts are coming at the expense of schools and other priorities in the state budget? We talked last week about the idea that maybe we should be raising taxes to grow the pie of revenue that we have to fund all these different priorities. Maybe, though, if we stopped all of the tax breaks, we might not have to raise taxes on other people, on everyone else. Uh, also, uh, do you think it is it time to really think about the way that we set priorities and choices in the state budget here differently? Should we think differently about things like incentives? Should we think differently about schools and the way we collect money for them? If you want to join the conversation, as always, the number on the phone here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with John in Rochester Hills. John, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Um, my question goes to, um, we pay taxes, and a portion of those taxes are supposed to automatically go to school funding. And additionally, we have the lottery. Um, and the lottery uh, donates or targets money for the school system. So what are those funds? and what is the real deal there? Do the dollars from our taxes actually go to the schools or does it get diverted to other priorities? And kind of a follow-up to that, I have my own business, I pay taxes, and I have a responsibility to my business to spend money that's appropriate for running my business in order to try and make money. Uh, and I can take this off the air. Hmm. Uh, John, I really appreciate the call and the many questions there. Chad, before you answer, I just want to preface that with this is one of the most common questions I hear about schools. People have a deep belief that we pay a lot of money in taxes and that that money is supposed to go to schools and that somehow it just doesn't end up there and that that's one of the big problems we have with school funding. Uh, can you can you help John understand how all of that works? Yes. Uh, well, I, I get this question a lot. Um, almost the day doesn't go by talking about the state budget and school funding when someone doesn't ask what happened to the, to the lottery money. Um, so the, the lottery money, the the profits from the lottery go straight to the school aid fund. 
Um, it, it is $941 million last year of a roughly $15 billion school aid fund. So that comes out to about a little less than 7%. Uh, essentially, the, um, the lottery runs public schools for something less than 14 school days a year out of 180 school uh, school year, uh, days a year. Uh, so it is it is a significant piece, but it is also still kind of a small piece. Um, the, the majority of funding for schools comes from the, the six mil uh, property tax that uh, individuals, homeowners pay, uh, the 18 mil non-homestead property tax that, um, that uh, businesses pay, um, and then the um, uh, sales tax. Uh, and in this case, a company like Switch being in a renaissance zone, they are exempted from the 18 mils uh, non-homestead tax. So the state has to make up for that. They have to make uh, adjustments in the school aid fund, where uh, whereas they, you know, they dedicate and backfill that essentially the funds that they have uh, granted tax exemptions. And we're and for for them, this is a 15 year uh, renaissance zone. Uh, we have other examples like like the like the Ford uh, Corktown project is going to be a 30 year renaissance zone uh, for for Detroit. Um, again, that's going to bring some very, very good paying jobs to Detroit, and that'll create a, a, a city income tax. Hopefully, it'll it'll also get people to move to Detroit, buy houses, build house, build new houses, and and then pay property taxes on that. That's the whole you know desired uh, and and you know planned effect of of these kind of tax breaks. Uh, but but other people who have been you know you know running the you know small shop or, or you know, the coffee shop in 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 Caledonia they they have to pay they still got to pay their uh, uh, their property tax and and then this other company that brought all these business and business in doesn't have to. Hmm. Uh, again, John, I really appreciate the call and the questions. Let's go to Chris in Berkeley. Chris, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, so my comment was just about. You know, how the legislature is making these deals with companies, and it seems like they're really cutting a bit of a bad deal for the, for the citizens. And on top of that, for the companies, because if, if a company is coming into an area, they're, you know, they're relying on the labor oftentimes from that local area and from those people being educated in that area. So it would seem that the legislature should be really making the, these deals, if they're going to make them, they should be making them where the companies have to sponsor the local education. They have to be paying into local education at, because they're utilizing the labor from that. Hmm. Uh, Chris, great point. Uh, thanks for the call, Chad. This idea of give and take here is a bigger conversation here in the state of Michigan. How we fund schools, how we encourage business, there, there is something off there in in the way that we have that conversation and that we don't we don't connect the two. In yeah. other words, we don't think of, well, we're giving this tax break to this business, but that does short schools and other priorities. Yeah, well, in this case, uh, there's an interesting little example. Um, so so 
the switch does switch is exempted from paying the township taxes and the county taxes in Kent County, but they worked out a deal that's known as payment in lieu of taxes, where they basically negotiate. Uh, here's how much we'll just send the township and the county in a, a payment every year, even if we grow from a 155 million dollar investment to two billion dollar investment. Usually, the payment stays the same, whereas with taxes, it grows with the value of your of your property. Um, so they worked out a deal where. They pay Gaines Township and Kent County $109,000 a year. So after this whole tax dispute came up um, and this bill suddenly was moving quickly uh, through the Senate, um, in the in the back give and take and back and forth with the local school officials, uh, the school officials ended up proposing, hey, we got to. Why don't you give us a payment in lieu of taxes, and we'll just and we can just walk, you know, settle this amicably, and it's a win-win for both sides. And they proposed one point three million dollar payment over eight years to to fund STEM education programs in Caledonia schools, uh, the kind of uh, education uh, in in computer science and engineering that uh, produces the type of of uh, credentials and talent that a company like Switch and all of its clients need. To facilitate to run this big facility, and and uh, the company turned around and said, "We will not adhere to your demands." And they portrayed it like an extortion by the local school district. Um, and and so uh, th- these are the kind of give and takes. But they they were trying to basically kind of work out a deal or try to get the 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 company to have some buy-in to uh, the local schools, um, and ha- and that would actually ultimately benefit the company. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Chad Livengood, Senior Editor at Crane's Detroit Business. We're going to talk about a couple other things that he's been writing about lately. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Teresa and Royal Oak will get to you next. If you want to join her, you can call in or go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Chad Livengood. He's a senior editor at Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about a recent article he wrote about a company in Grand Rapids, Switch Data Center, that is seeking really aggressive tax breaks that would siphon money away that would be available for local schools. We're talking about that tension between the idea of tax breaks to grow the economy, grow jobs, and the priorities that we have to fund in state government, schools, and other things that always seem to be wanting for money. Are we doing it wrong? Are we not thinking of this in the way that would make sure that there's enough funding for all the things that we think are important here in the state of Michigan? And should we be asking more of businesses, even businesses who agree to move here to the state of Michigan, if we want to have good schools and good roads and all the other things that we as citizens expect and enjoy here in the state of Michigan. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313 313- 
577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Teresa in Royal Oak. Teresa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, yes. So when we hear this this argument all the time about how these businesses need the tax breaks in order to be competitive, um, but they always are able to find the money for lobbyists and legal firms and executive time to make these kinds of, find these loopholes into the legislature. So to me, it's just, just pay the taxes. You know, I'm sure it's like $370,000 or whatever the amount was for the Caledonia schools, but probably about the amount of time that they spent on these consulting firms. So just pay the taxes. Huh. Great, great observation there, Teresa. Chad, talk about what the efforts are by firms like Switch Data Center in Grand Rapids to make sure that they get these tax breaks. I, I know that there are lots of lobbying efforts that go on in Lansing. Is this just as expensive as it might be to pay the taxes themselves? On the surface, it might look like, and it probably will, you know, amount to some six-figure bill when you start uh, adding up all the expense of, of hiring a multi-client lobbying firm, that, which Switch has done. They've hired public policy associates. They've hired Brandon Dillon, a former um, Democratic Party chairman and state rep from Grand Rapids. Uh, this is pretty common if you are uh, trying to to lobby the uh, Republican legislature, but you still got to go out and get Democratic votes, or you got to assuage uh, some people on the Democratic side. Uh, they will. There are several former Democratic state reps who have who have taken up a career in lobbying, uh, where they basically are are assigned to go work with that caucus um, and work with people, uh, particularly if if the um, organized labor, the teachers unions, which they are in, in opposition to this bill, um, to try to you know, win over some votes. And, and so um, this is part of the apparatus that, uh, that lots of companies um, exert and, and other big, big, big interests uh, that want to get something passed in front of the legislature. They hire a PR firm, they hire various uh, communications advisors, um, and they all Kind of come on a come at the legislature and until they you know usually get what they want. Um, not always. I mean, we watched with with auto no fault um, for years. Um, both sides had uh, these huge aggressive lobbies. Uh, um, the hospital association and the and the medical providers and the trial attorneys in one camp and and the auto insurance companies in another camp. Uh, and they basically tied the legislature in knots for a decade until until earlier this year when the legislative leadership uh, uh, um, and uh, Governor Whitmer, you know, kind of broke the um, the logjam by uh, passing uh, auto no-fault reform. So th- this is kind of part of the process. And yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of expense to it. But Ultimately, long term, if you're trying to get a 15-year tax break, especially one that would grow with value, um, with with property taxes or property values, um, the the the, the, uh, the the short-term cost of lobbyists is probably a drop in the bucket. Hmm. Thanks again, Teresa, for the call and the questions. Let's go to Malcolm in Ferndale. Malcolm, what's on your mind? Yes. Yes, I, I think all of the funds uh, collected for the tax on marijuana should be used for schools. Uh, perhaps 20% of that could be used to offset whatever is given in the way of uh, tax uh, incentives to businesses. So I'll take my answer off uh, offline. Malcolm, that's a great observation and suggestion there. Chad Livengood, we're about to legalize marijuana for recreational purposes here in the state of Michigan. Voters decided to do that. 
in the most recent election, they are trying to figure out the regulatory schemes and the rules for that happening. But there's no question there will be tax revenue that's generated from marijuana. Talk about where that might go, how much it might be, and whether that is part of the answer to our school issue. Well, um, I, I can't stress this enough. This is uh, uh, has has a chance of becoming um, the lottery uh, panacea um, um, belief that uh, the lottery was going to solve all the school aid funds problems. And but the, the projections show there, there's just no way that marijuana sales is going to get anywhere near um, the needs for schools or roads. Um, the, the the projections kind of vary between 81 million. A year in taxes to 262 million, um, and the way that they 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 earmarked um, some money for schools and some money for roads, um, road money at, by 2023 full build out of the industry. Um, the, the the latest projection was 27 million dollars. So just for perspective, that would basically pay, repave um, uh, something around 10 miles of of two lane, um, you know. Um, uh, artery road, basically. I mean, it would not, uh, you know, put a big dent in our road funding mm. uh, crisis in the state. Um, and it certainly wouldn't, uh, uh, wouldn't uh, you know, really backfill a lot of, you know, the, the revenue shortfalls in schools either. So is that because of the way that we've decided to tax marijuana? I mean, other states yeah. are rolling in cash right now because they've legalized marijuana. Colorado is a state that I read a lot about all of the things that they're talking about doing that they weren't able to do before because they're taxing marijuana. Yeah, so we we put a 10% uh, excise tax on top of uh, the 6% sales tax. Um, and so that they, and when then we are the legislation or the constitutional amendment uh, that went through last year, legislation rather, it it uh, it divvied up money uh, differently. So thirty five percent of it goes to schools, thirty five percent of it goes to the state uh, transportation uh, road funding um, uh, fund, and then fifteen percent goes to cities and counties that license uh, uh, medical mar- or marijuana retail stores. So the way it got the way it got divvied up, you know, there's only just one piece of the pie that that's going to go to roads or schools. Again, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Bill in Dearborn. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you. Hey. So uh, these tax breaks are more or less contingent on, supposedly contingent on, increasing the economy somehow, uh, increasing employment, more workers, or somehow bringing money back into the community to balance the tax break. So... We don't. I don't think we really tie the two together. I think we let them, let the businesses skate. You know, they say they'll do something and then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. What if we seriously tie that together, and uh, no increase in economy, no tax break? Mm. Bill, I, I I think that's a wonderful question. I'm glad you called and asked, uh, Chad Livengood. This is a conversation I used to have, not infrequently, with Governor Rick Snyder when he was proposing. His tax breaks early in his administration, I, I would say, listen, if this doesn't work, is there a way to maybe claw back the, ta- the, the tax breaks that people were given? If people take the advantages that they get and maybe move out of state 
or don't create the kinds of jobs that they've promised? What's what's there to keep them accountable? And I never got a great answer from him about that. Is that something that people in Lansing now are thinking more about? Well, part of the difficulty with that is, uh, well, one, like we've already granted uh, switch in, in this example, sales tax free environment. They can buy whatever equipment or invest uh, capital and infrastructure in their facility and not have to pay sales tax. We've also done that, by the way, for Dan Gilbert, uh, so he can build a skyscraper in downtown Detroit. Um, and we are doing that in other uh, venues uh, and around the state with di- various different types of, of tax incentives. Um, so, but then the the one thing to note is, is that Switch is paying the 6% corporate income tax. Basically, that at the end of the day, if they get this legislation, that's about all they will be paying. Is is the corporate income tax? Then the employees who who work there, whether they work for Switch or one of their contractors or or the ver- or the uh, various clients, they will they're supposed to pay income tax. But one one thing to kind of think about in this whole you know argument is that um, uh, these are folks that are just coming and going, not necessarily planted. All uh, not all eight hundred of these jobs are permanent there at at the uh, Switch facility and and in, in the Grand Rapids area. So. Um, they're not they're not permanently paying income tax. They may they may live in Chicago and come in and work in Michigan one day a week, and then they pay income tax for the one day a week of income that they they generated in Michigan. Um, if Michigan can track all those folks down, I'm not always convinced that they can. So so yeah, there's um, but the legislature has the ability if they wanted to put a clawback uh, into into law, they can, the legislature legislature can do just about whatever it wants, hmm. um, and uh, they, and it's just a matter of, of political will to do that kind of thing. Okay, let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, what's on your mind? Hi. Hey. I wanted to just talk a little bit about Detroit. You just mentioned um, the bedrock um, um, windfall that's going into that skyscraper. But I, I believe, and maybe you can comment on this, I believe that most of the businesses like the uh, campus uh, marshes, the um, CompuWare building, formerly CompuWare building, uh, the Illages buildings, Many of these buildings uh, get uh, tax um, uh, holidays, and so they're they're here, but for years and years, we won't really effectively be uh, collecting local taxes from those folks. Um, And um, I just wanted to say, we know that the TIF, that other tax instrument that was given to the mid, well, to the area just outside of downtown, that money is going to the Illages. And they're supposed to be upkeeping the neighborhood or making the improvements in the neighborhood. And we've yet to see anything happen. Mm -hmm. You're referring to tax increment financing, TIF, where uh, in the DDA, uh, Downtown Development or Downtown Detroit uh, Authority, they are are collecting um, all the growth uh, on taxes. Um, in property, as property values come up, and that you know, you can make an argument that the, the construction of Little Caesars Arena is definitely uh, helping property values in that area. As those values go up, they the uh, the DDA captures that 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 money, and then that money is goes towards uh, repaying a portion of the bonds, uh, the public uh, aspect, the public cost, which is uh, somewhere about a third of the nine hundred million dollar cost of that building. Um, and then it's it that's how that's that's the that's the public taxpayer um, uh, uh, 
cost that's added that's uh, helping subsidize that building. In the case of, of, of Bedrock, they have gotten into what's known as the Transformational Brownfield Program, where they get to, to, to uh, you know, uh, not have to pay sales and use tax on the, on the construction materials uh, for, for building uh, either the Hudson Site Tower or, or the addition to uh, One Campus Martius or the renovation of Book Tower and also the, um, uh, uh, the Monroe Blocks project as well. So, uh, which they, you know, all, all told that uh, they, they, they have that, you know, they say they're going to spend $2.1, $2.2 billion, and in about a quarter of that, they're going to basically get back in either um, tax uh, breaks or they're going to get to capture income tax generated by people living or working on those properties, um, and that's another part of these uh, these um, tax incentives that were developed by, by and signed by Governor Rick Snyder, uh, who you know came into office in 2011, swearing off tax incentives. And um, by by about the first year of his second term, he was kind of back on to uh, tax incentives between this program and and uh, and the switch uh, tax break that was specifically aimed at one company. Okay, Chad Livingood, senior editor at. Crane's Detroit Business. It's always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Up next, we are going to talk about Indigenous Peoples Day, also known as Columbus Day, or what is it supposed to be called here in the state of Michigan? We're actually not quite sure. There's been breaking news on this subject this morning. State Senator Jeff Irwin, a Democrat who represents Michigan's 18th district, is going to be here to talk about the legislation he is introducing to make the second Monday of October officially Indigenous Peoples Day here in Michigan. Stay tuned for that and stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.